Welcome to Health Accelerated, brought to you by OSF Healthcare. I'm your host, Shelley Dankoff. This is part two of our look at the 10-year anniversary of the Jump Simulation and Education Center in Peoria, Illinois, part of OSF Healthcare. In 2013, the Jump Simulation and Education Center, or JUMP, was introduced as a space to dramatically improve outcomes and lower costs in healthcare. Since then, the building has become the hub of OSF innovation, where cross-functional teams converge and leverage their expertise to advance the future of healthcare. In our last episode, we discussed the amazing journey of JUMP and OSF innovation and the achievements of the past 10 years. Today, we take a look ahead to the next decade and beyond what lies ahead. Joining me, Dr. John Vazanelli, Vice President and Chief Medical Officer for OSF Innovation and Founding Executive Director of JUMP, and Becky Buchan, our Senior Vice President of Innovation for OSF Healthcare. Thank you both so much for being with me today. There are so many things we are looking forward to as we evolve and look at the future of OSF Healthcare. First of all, let's do a, a, a brief recap of getting to this point with jump simulation. You know, we heard from Dr. Vaz and Alec last time, Becky, from your perspective, when you look back over the past 10 years and getting to this point, what does it say? We are sitting here in jump simulation and the space around you, what does it say to you? And did you ever imagine we would be at this point? I don't know that I ever imagined that we would be at this point, um, but it's full of excitement, um, certainly thinking about the future and um, the vision that was put forth to transform healthcare. Um, you know, what does that mean? It's a lot of words, but bringing forward or bringing together rather all of the right teams, um, our simulation experts, um, certainly building upon um, our collaboration with our academic partners, um, we have a strong performance improvement team, strong healthcare analytics team, our ventures team, you know, bringing all of those functions together with a common vision to transform healthcare, and then certainly working to understand um, really the deep and complex problems within healthcare um, in order to do that, and then bringing those skill sets forward to test and find those really innovation is about learnings, right? Um, and, you know, we can, we can say it's about sometimes failure, but it's pulling those learnings out of those, you know, what might be um, some of the failures. But again, it's excitement. It's great to see that those items that have been developed here and then implemented um, within our operating units to really support our patients in a different way, as well as our own um, mission partners in a different way in terms of real transformation, not just incremental um, through the development of new models. Um, again, just about testing and, and providing and acting on the insights that we've learned across all of our teams. Yeah, we talk a lot about that testing and getting to that point. One of those things, rigor. I hear you talk about that often, how innovation, PI, rigor, all those tie together. So for people who may not understand all those definitions or what those all mean, from your perspective, how do those all tie together and how do you define them? Yeah, so um, I think contrary to, to what many probably believe in terms of, you know, innovation just kind of happens, right? It's ideas, it's people coming forward and you're kind of testing. Um, it does require rigor. Um, really, you have to understand and build upon the problems that have been identified, um, where something is going to be deployed and tested, what we're going to be measuring in terms of what success looks like, how we're going to sustain it, how it's going to be 
implemented um, within the workflows of our clinicians. That's extremely important um, because if it's not integrated within their workflows, both within the electronic medical record as well as their process flows as a, as a clinician, they're not going to try something new. Um, and you're not going to get that transformation. So really outlining ahead of time what you are going to be testing is, is really important. And that's really how we're applying um, that part of the rigor from a testing perspective. You know, certainly there's um, rigor that I'm sure Dr. Vazanelli can speak to as it relates to the applied research um, and things that we're really using, I'll say, kind of on the front end of the learnings um, for that transformation. Dr. Vazanelli, your perspective? So as Becky said, uh, there's a lot of structure to support the idea of moving forward with good learning. And frankly, um, innovation is a service. It's a service to our patients. It's a service to our mission partners here at OSF and a service to the partners that exist outside of OSF. Uh, and even as you contemplate what it would be like to try to find the adequate partners uh, to make ideas come to life, it takes a lot of... Um, nurturing, shaping, infrastructure to make sure that these things land well. For example, in order to attract the attention of our academic partners, the University of Illinois, College of Medicine here in Peoria, University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign, the uh, Bradley University, uh, UIC, and now ISU, we had to form up key ideas that OSF was interested in and present those to our partners. And then we had to create laboratories and structures so that the investigators from each of those areas and their diverse dis disciplines can come and meet with us on a level playing field, understand our priorities in service to patients, understand the technology barriers that we perceive and how they can partner for us. Becky mentions this concept that comes up very frequently in innovation, which is this idea of failing fast. Failing fast is really important. And uh, I can't rem recall if we touched on this in your first session, but the idea of uh, failure is really failing to learn from an experimental design, like to have enough structure so you could perceive some new learnings. So don't do it like that next time is an important lesson. Um, and we help to progress those lessons throughout the ministry, whether the idea comes from a patient, uh, a nursing colleague, a physician, or anyone inside our system to really invest to give them structure, to give them feedback of what, what has worked and what won't work, um, and to invest in them. I just keep hearing this bubble get bigger and bigger and bigger as the two of you talk, because it's a huge bubble that we encapsulate in Peoria, Illinois. And often you'll get people just kind of shaking their head. This is all happening in Peoria. This is a world-class simulation center that was the vision right from the get-go to bring everybody here. And now, as you bring all those parts and pieces together, I feel like almost like that little engine that could, and the wheels are spinning faster because people are now seeing all of those convergences take place, and it just keeps building up steam, and more and more people want to be a part of that. Are you getting that sense, too, as you're out there and just interacting with more and more, whether it be academic partners or clinicians or others, do you get that sense? Right, so I think what you're speaking to in part is this idea of leveraging an integrated simulation program into an innovation process. And in its simplest form, just imagine, an idea comes to Becky's team, and the idea seems to have merit on face value or on, on paper. Well, in an integrated simulation program, we can actually test that idea 
because we can replicate care as it's performed in the hospital in a safe and controlled environment in the SIM center. Not only that, if you flip that over, if an idea is coming uh, to us uh, without formation, or even better, when we bring in students who mm -hmm. have really just broad ideas and a, and a novice point of view, like they don't know what they don't know, and so mm -hmm. they, they tend to dig in and throw all kinds of solutions at us. When they get into the simulation space, in our in a integrated simulation program, they're able to see how work is performed. They come to the aha moment more quickly, and they discovered the track that is going to become productive and not waste time in rabbit holes. So it's really it's actually one of my great joys is to bring students from engineering and design into the simulation space. Let them see how work is performed. We all have a frame of reference how we think medicine and healthcare goes because of our own experience with it. But it's deeply complex, complicated, technology, social, uh, cultural interactions. Uh, it's a complex field. Yeah, and I think to Dr. Vazanelik's point, and really one of the examples um, leveraging our simulation space has been, you know, falls is, uh, you know, um, something that's an opportunity um, or a challenge across all healthcare systems and solving for the reduction in, in falls that we're seeing. And so I've worked with um, various vendors, some local vendors, um, really to understand and simulate that. Um, bringing our clinicians to this space so that they know and understand how the technology is used um, and how it's going to be integrated within their workflow. So I think we see a lot of that, as well as we've really been focused over the past few years making sure to take innovation, um, the culture of innovation, certainly out across our ministry, and so have really been working to build um, what we're really calling hubs um, across the ministry, um, certainly starting kind of small in nature. Um, but again, it's really that building that culture so so that um, our mission partners feel very comfortable bringing forward those ideas and then being able to test them in that safe environment, as Dr. Vazanelli mentioned. Yeah, because we serve a lot, OSF Healthcare serves a lot of rural communities. And let's be honest, healthcare is changing. Um, you can't have you know, a complete neuro team or a complete cardiac team in every facility. It's just the numbers don't work out. It just isn't today. Right. It doesn't happen. So you have to figure out a way to provide that care, the best care that you can get to those teams who and have them engaged at the same time. So let's talk a little bit about some of those rural health initiatives, because there's also people in those communities that they're used to their, their local doctor. Uh, coming into the bigger city is, is a little scary for them, but yet they deserve and want that care at home. What are some of the inroads we've been making in those areas over the past 10 years and ahead? I mean, as we look ahead, what types of things we'll be, we'll be looking at? So let, let's first consider the central Illinois grit, right? This is a do-it-yourself type of, uh, of a community. It's a self-resilient uh, community. Offers of help aren't necessarily always what's desired, um, so there's that can-do attitude. And certainly in uh, farming and, and, and the other rural environments that we serve, uh, we find this. Um, that's not to say that the help isn't required or really hoped for in many cases. But here is also the foundation of innovation, where people find a way to move past struggles and obstructions. Now, no less in our clinics, hospitals, and other environments out in our ministry uh, some are very small critical access hospitals. 
they have the innovative spirit. They want to do the outreach. Uh, and they also have this can-do approach. And actually, you find this to be a great substrate or foundation for networking with them to provide new solutions. Now, what are those solutions? So what we look at in our future, and I think everyone uh, today has experienced the immediacy of data. Data is at our fingertips in our phones. We're surrounded by data. Uh, our data is being used by commercial enterprises to sell us things and to promote things that they want to promote. No less important is the health and wellness of our communities. So OSF has invested heavily in understanding how we can leverage data and data science to shape the information, to combat misinformation that exists out in the community, and to really develop a trusted relationship with rural populations for their health and wellness. Now, of a key importance is preventative, preventative measures, preventative measures that will find patients who are at risk for diseases that can be devastating, like cancer or other chronic illness, to partner with them in a trusted environment where their data is safe with us, the trusted partner, and they can rely on us to provide good service. Uh, so I think it's just the tip of the iceberg, but um, our approach to data science, partnering with patients, will have a tendency very quickly to flip the access curve so that we are anticipating patients' needs more than waiting for them to bang on our doors for service. That's an interesting point that you bring up because one of the things that's being displayed during the jump anniversary celebration as we highlight looking back and then looking ahead is this smart mirror. And so as you were mentioning that, all I could imagine, and it's kind of a little bit of that mirror, mirror on the wall, isn't it? That you, we always saw when we were looking at whatever the childhood, you know, fantasy that we were looking at. Is that what that's going to be like is to look in this mirror and it will get a sense of what's going on with you? Yeah. So imagine waking up, you know, and as you mentioned, kind of the mirror, imagine waking up, going to the mirror and um, it immediately knows like how well you slept, what your temperature is, um, starting to monitor some of those things as well as motivate you right from a, a health perspective, um, provide those reminders. Um, again, thinking about the focus on health. Um, and how we can engage with patients in their homes in a different way to be able to maintain that health, um, no matter where they are. Um, and so really looking at that technology and really trying to highlight for those coming through and celebrating with us as part of the JUMP 10-year anniversary, being able to show that what's possible, I think is also exciting because it excites other people, right? It will excite not only from a, a patient perspective, it will excite our mission partners, it will excite engineers, people coming in with different skills um, to be able to really build upon that. So we're quite excited to feature that. It's just one of many items, let's say, that are in the portfolio that Becky manages for uh, innovation. And it's exciting for me as a physician to see how the technology can be evaluated, see if it does the thing that it says it's going to do and provide the service that we wish. Um, how would we present this to patients? How would we engage them? You know, you can imagine that in Becky's portfolio, there are a number of solutions that we would bring into people's homes to expand the outreach, remote patient monitoring solutions, hospital at home solutions. Um, the mirror is just one of a number of different types of things that could be introduced into the home. So another, going back to the simulation uh, principles, we can use the simulation center to help our mission partners understand how to explain the technologies that are gonna be introduced into their homes, 
We can train our clinicians on how to receive information and respond promptly, work through those workflows on the back end, so the patients are always seeing the services seamless. And I'm sure uh, Becky could expand on some of the other items that are in that portfolio today that are uh, in testing right now. Yes. So, you know, specifically from a a vendor perspective, um, understanding kind of and engaging with our patients for a high risk um, for cancer. Right. And so kind of some of that pre-screening and we've done testing there um, to really understand and then be able to connect with those patients to say, based on how you've answered these questions, um, we have identified, you know, there's potential high risk. We would like to do some additional testing there. Um, and then also thinking about um, something that's fairly new to OSF is, is really um, taking a deep dive into the genomics world and the genomic testing and then really understanding. Um, so you've identified them early, um, then potentially they would um, benefit from having genomic testing and being able to provide some of the early interventions um, from an oncology perspective or a cholesterol perspective. Um, is where we're going to be focusing on. Yeah, all the things you're talking about can be scary conversations. I think that's the other interesting part about the work that is done in this building is it's not just about, you know, the digital and the data and everything else. It's about the people skills too because those are tough conversations. If I take Cancer IQ and it comes through and goes, hey, you're this, Okay, that can be scary. So you have to train, you're right, you have to train your clinicians, you have to train everybody on how to give those messages in a positive way, don't you? That's, that's some of also what goes on in this space. Yes. That's correct. Yeah. And in part, so we're investing in the future for our own mission partners and the ones that may leave us, uh, medical students, nursing students, they go off into other environments. We want, in every case for their compassion and competence to shine through and people to ask, where did you come from? How were you trained? And we want to be a part of their story. Uh, And certainly we want to recruit recruit and retain best and brightest for our own communities. We do this very actively uh, by promoting the simulation work that we do, the other engagements like internships, uh, the engagements where we bring in students from a variety of backgrounds and disciplines to become part of our innovation processes through grants, and other activities, um, and we find that these people want to stick with us. We're excited about that. That's really uh, our future that we're investing in. You know, you, you're kind of dancing around the non-traditional partnering a little bit, too. Tell me what you mean when you're talking about the non-traditional partnering that exists. I think I touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, in order to really um, explain to partners, particularly ones that aren't in the house of medicine already, Uh, we have to create some structure for them to encounter us. So we, um, at times, will invite members from uh, the academic community, uh, from our entrepreneurial community to come into our environments, see how we administer healthcare, see how data influences decision-making, see the struggles that the clinicians have at the bedside when they're working uh, through complex problems, multiple patients, multiple demands on their attention, and see how they can work with us to promote highest quality, highest safety, and greatest efficiency. Uh, We found tremendous solutions already in uh, devices that we have brought to OSF uh, by this type of non-traditional partnering. 
Uh, I think in our future, especially in the care of children, for which OSF is uh, well known to be a regional center of excellence uh, with the Children's Hospital of Illinois here, uh, as well as our future and the Cancer Institute that's coming here, we'll, we'll have drawn to us remarkable partners to think about how work can be done efficiently and better. Our reliance on data and our investment in data science and data systems will make our systems even more efficient as well. And we would expect that patients expect from us that they will be approached in the way that they want to be encountered, whether it's a direct message, a text, it's a phone call, it's an email, or through applications that they may have on their phone. We want to make sure that patients are encountering us uh, with great competency. We want to make their journey to navigate this healthcare system extremely efficient and clear. Our digital health arm so we have, you know, the, the digital health side, you know, you, you test it here and then it operationalizes over there in some cases. Mm -hmm. So as you sit here and look at, you know, the hospital of the future, how are you seeing it based on what we're seeing take place in this building and throughout OSF innovation and then into OSF digital health? Is it just endless possibilities from where you're sitting? I think the possibilities are endless in terms of new models. I think if we go back um, really pre-COVID um, for us, you know, certainly we were testing and learning based on some point solutions, right, to engage with our patients differently from a digital perspective. When COVID hit, really it allowed us the opportunity then to bring together all of those things that had been tested into one model. Um, and, you know, really thus launching the digital hospital. Now, that has expanded into, again, hospital at home. Um, a lot of various programs that are being offered um, from a tele-perspective as well. I, I think it, it's limitless um, in terms of what we can do um, and certainly serving our patients um, from, from their home, you know, um, having the, the hospital at home and really that originated within innovation launched during COVID and has really now changed um, into based on criteria for discharge from our hospitals, being able to serve patients in their home. So I think it, it is limitless in terms of what can be done. I think also, uh, particularly as we watch technology emerge, uh, technology is far more simple. Uh, it's wearable. The technology is uh, very portable and it takes up less and less bandwidth, you know, in our systems for information sharing. Uh, there are even little buttons that one could wear on the skin that actually can give vital sign data. Mm -hmm. Miles and miles away can be interpreted by clinicians. And, and this is part of our journey, too. You mentioned the relative shortage of specialists in certain areas of our ministry. Well, that's definitely a fact. And while we uh, are in the long game to promote, you know, the building of, uh, you know, new trainees, medical students that become residents, become specialists along the path, there's a current and pressing need. And so we build technology solutions that can back up those specialists so they can give proper consultation, even if the distance is quite great. It's actually part of our current day mission and part of our future, frankly. Yeah, as you were sitting, you mentioned the pandemic, Becky, and in some ways you were forced into things, things you had been testing and planning on, oh, this will be nice, we're going to get here. And then March of 2020 came, and all of a sudden, here's the precipice. And it's like, oh, here you go, right off of it. You have to be extremely proud of your team and the way they stood up everything they did so quickly 
and 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 were there glitches along the way potentially sure but you've mm-hmm. learned and you said okay this doesn't work but this does work and some of those things but i think one of the other really cool things that we learned out of it what started as the pandemic health worker mm-hmm. program kind of your old school doctor coming and making a house call to check on somebody right. and we've evolved that into those community health workers which is still that that face that visits people in their home they have a comfort factor. There's a relationship. Talk a little bit about that and what was learned and just the relationship building that led to really the success of that program. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there are a lot of kind of factors in that, but really, as you point out, really recognizing the relationship that needed to be built within our communities. Um, and then the trust factor, right, from a, a health perspective, knowing someone within my community that I can connect with from a healthcare perspective. But we also had to recognize at the time there was a training component to that um, and a rapid training and something that needed to be really simple in terms of training those community health workers so that they felt comfortable. And again, leveraging that simulation, you know, our simulation center to be able to do that and the expertise that we had from a training perspective so has really allowed that to grow and expand Um, and you know certainly a lot of testing um, has been done as it relates to that we're also drop shipping um, various equipment from a monitoring perspective that I know Dr. Vazanella kind of hit on Um, and so thinking about the logistics of that but yes that has been a great success for um, our digital health um, on call specifically and really kind of helping to support the launch of that um, has been a, a great success from an innovation standpoint. You look like you wanted to add something. Well, I just reflect that this, uh, of course, it was a really rough time, but you, you mentioned something. We turned this entire building around yes. in about four days, as I recall it. Yes. And, you know, there's one thing about being part of a faith-based organization like this. We had been studying social determinants of health, how we would... Um, digitize information, how we would support community health workers. And all that work had just reached this certain point of maturity at the moment when it was most needed. So in our faith-based community, we get to say things like, some of these things are providential, or they happen for a reason. (laughs) Our team, we're able to turn around, convert the Sim Center and the spaces that are here at Jump into a multi-hundred mission partner with providers and nurses providing telehealth care by converting the auditorium, for example, into 125 desks where people were taking calls and doing telehealth visits, essentially within four days. And we had all these systems lined up and ready to go just at the moment that we needed them to push out and to serve our community. And I think we can get you better data, but I think um, in that period of time, we served more than 100,000 patients through telehealth services in, in, in the most desperately needed times. When people needed reassurance, they needed a trusted partner mm-hmm. to work through this great uncertainty. And OSF was there. Um, yes. OSF was leading. And um, it's a special time for us in our history. And of course, never wanting to fail to learn, we were able to convert that into greater things for our future. Yeah, I remember walking through the auditorium, again, being on the media side of things and bringing people in. And honestly, there was just such a sense of calm and yet excitement. Yes. So nobody was freaking out. Conversations were taking place. 
people were concerned on the other end of the line because mm-hmm. there was so much unknown. We we sometimes forget how much was unknown three years ago, and every day it was changing. But there was this sense of calm, and we'll get it figured out, and we'll get it taken care of, and a virtual hand-holding, if you will. Mm-hmm. You could see it all the time. Is that what stands out to you also as part of it? There have to be, I mean, we could go through countless stories. We could spend an hour just going through stories that we heard. But anything jump out to you at those that time that really sticks with you today, looking to the future and guiding to the future? I think a lot of it was certainly about the urgency. You know, you kind of mentioned that, the urgency, but seeing all of our teams come together. And it didn't matter at that point about titles, didn't matter about roles. It mattered about what were the problems that we needed to solve. And I think that's where we try to apply our learnings today, right? When we're facing big challenges um, within the healthcare system from an operations standpoint, how do we bring those teams together quickly, solve quickly, test some of those things quickly so that we can, again, uh, gain those insights for really the transformation to occur. So, um, and as you're right, I mean, this building, you know, really came to life um, during that time. Um, you know, we still had people, you know, certainly in the office working, but um, working very collaboratively um, across all of our teams. And that really is the intention of this space um, and the vision that we've had um, for the past 10 years to, to be able to create that and truly create the transformation. As we get ready to wrap this up, I'm going to ask both of you this question. I want you to look in your crystal ball. I'm going to put a big crystal ball right in front of you. What does the next decade hold or beyond? But let's, you know, let's just keep it in the next decade. What could people anticipate or do you think is the most exciting thing on the horizon for the for OSF Innovation and the Jump Simulation Education Center? I think for me, it, it would be um, certainly thinking about how we're going to integrate um, artificial intelligence, machine learning. So thinking about the data and the power of the data to really serve our patients in a different way. And Dr. Vazanelli kind of touched on this, but it truly is about being proactive for them, easing their way before they even know that they're going to be engaging with a healthcare system that's complicated, um, certainly to, to navigate. So seeing that, thinking about, yes, certainly we've started the journey for digital transformation, but really where is that going to take us? Because um, as you look at other industries that maybe are a bit a, a ahead of healthcare in terms of their digital transformation journeys, you know, we have a ways to go. And that's, that is going to be about connecting the data, understanding our patients better, being proactive in, in terms of the data, and being proactive so that we can ease their way um, throughout their journey. So I very much like uh, Becky's response to the question. I, I want to uh, add to that similar vision, which is to say that uh, we're aware that here in Illinois, there are more than 5,000 communities that are real small. Uh, they're small rural communities. Um, you know them. You you drive past them, or maybe you live in, in uh, communities like this. I know that Becky's from a community like this, where there's perhaps there's a Casey's and a you know and you know there's maybe a Dollar General, but there isn't much going on in terms of healthcare in the in the communities. And frankly, the communities are getting a bit older, and people are moving away from those uh, communities. What we're looking at in our future is how we can create scale 
with those communities, to provide service within those communities by partnering with them. Perhaps by training members of those communities as trusted parties that come together with us in our healthcare journey for prevention and, and to follow up for treatment and, and for survivorship in the case of cancer. We want to partner with those communities. We want to bring service to them through digital means. And frankly, we're, we're working on a whole platform for rural digital health innovation that I think will transform and become something scalable perhaps across the United States in the next 10 years. Who else than OSF would be an excellent, trusted partner to execute that vision? That's where it's at for us. I think that all these systems, the data, the systems, the sensors that are going into homes, all these things build into a final realization that we can provide better care. We can know patients better, know their needs, and serve them better, uh, no matter where they are. I don't think we could say it any better. So with that, Dr. John Vazanelli, Becky Buchan, thank you so much. A wonderful discussion and a great look ahead to the future of OSF Innovation and the Jump Simulation and Education Center. Thanks, thank Shelley. You. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Health Accelerated, brought to you by OSF Healthcare. Listen and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can also find links to any of our episodes on the OSF Newsroom at newsroom.osfhealthcare.org.